Thanks for downloading this episode of Cork Talk with me, Tim Atkin. A weekly conversation with some of the most famous people in the world of wine. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Nomacork by Vinventions. Driven by a commitment to innovation, the new plant-based Nomacork Green Line offers significant improvements in wine closure performance. Thanks to a rigorous oxygen ingress rate, you can decide which cork is best for your wine, whether it's for young and fresh wines or for those with ageing potential. Brought up and educated in Italy, Zorik Garibian was part of the Armenian diaspora. But when he went back to the land of his parents in 1998, he decided he wanted to make wine there. Listen to us chat about the country's ancient winemaking traditions, including the use of partially buried amphoras, his mission to preserve and promote native grapes, and why he chose to launch his top red wine, Giraz, on Mount Ararat. Hi, Zorik, how are you? Fine, thank you, Tim. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. I'm assuming you're in Armenia rather than Italy, are you right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Armenia. The nature has started, so back to square one. <laughs> back to square one. <laughs> At the start of another wine growing season, right? Exactly. Very exciting. Even if the weather this year is is continuing to be cold, which is really unusual for Armenia, but I hope for it. Yeah. Listen, as ever, we've got lots to talk about. I mean, your project is amazing. I've seen it in person and um, been lucky enough to taste your wines. But I wanted to start talking about your, your family, really, because you're part of the Armenian diaspora. Uh, just tell us where you were born and, and, and a little bit about how many Armenians live outside the country. Yeah, I am a diasporan Armenian because of uh, genocide and everything. Uh, I was born in Iran. I was a little kid. My parents sent me to Venice in Italy in an Armenian boarding school. So basically, I've done all my life in Italy. Uh, about the diaspora outside Armenia, again, because of the diaspora, because of the genocide, uh, there are only two, two million and a half, nearly three million Armenians in Armenia, and we are about ten million outside Armenia. So it's a little bit funny situation, but it's not depending to us. <laughs> and when, when when was the genocide? That was a Turkish genocide, wasn't it? Yeah, is the First World War. Yeah, nineteen fifty. I mean, how did your family maintain links with Armenia when you were growing up in Italy? I mean, were you aware of its culture and history? Yeah, yeah, Tim. Uh, my, uh, the boarding school, all my studies from uh, kindergarten till uh, the, the end of my studies have been Armenian. So I've been in Armenian boarding school in Italy, run by priests. Catholic priests, so the literature, history, I've, I've learned everything about Armenia mm. since I was a little kid. I'm, uh, I, I consider myself 100% Armenian and 100% Italian. So you spoke up speaking <laughs> both languages, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's the case. And, yeah. and where did your parents stay? Did they stay in Armenia or did they move to Italy with you? No, they moved to United States because my... Um, my sister and uh, other family members were in United States. Uh, they sent me, and I was a little kid, so they sent me to boarding school in uh, Venice. And then I didn't want to join. I said I do my uh, living in Italy, so I moved to Milano and stayed in Italy. Till today, I am half half, half Italy, half Armenia, and it's the life 
carries on like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you went to university in Milan and you became a very successful businessman in the fashion industry, you still are. Um, it's kind of appropriate given you were in Milan, I suppose. But was wine already part of your life? Probably not much wine in the boarding school, was there? Um, uh, even in boarding school, uh, Sundays, I remember we, <laughs> from the, <laughs> we were, uh, from the mass we have on Sundays, we were trying to drink the wine from the priest. <laughs> so <laughs> that does no. but in Milano, when I moved to Milano, uh, before coming to Armenia, my dream was, uh, of course, back then Armenia was Soviet. So my dream was to have a winery and vineyard in Tuscany. That was my dream. I didn't have any money back then. I was a young guy. So yeah, wine has been always, I was, I have been always passionate. I'm a good drinker also. So <laughs> I consume it. I, I love consuming it. <laughs> and I had always this dream to, to have one day a winery and vineyard. Then it happened that I came to Armenia and I shift my dream towards Armenia. Yeah. So even though you'd grown up with Armenian culture and speaking the language, I, am I right in thinking you didn't go there for the first time until 1998? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, there, it was impossible to go to Armenia because Armenia was one of the ex-republics uh, of Soviet mm -hmm. Union. And uh, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't travel to Armenia. Uh, Armenia got the independence beginning of 90s. So 1998 was the first time I came to Armenia. And it was a love at the yeah. first sight. So when I arrived here, it was like I, I felt my uh, deep roots. Uh, they were connecting me to this country. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to have had a very profound impact on you. I can understand why as well. I mean, what was the outcome of the visit? Because didn't you decide to, to to do business in Armenia, basically, but but with fashion to start with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those years uh, were the years uh, that all the Italian uh, fashion industry was delocalizing. And uh, I had already businesses in uh, other countries like Romania, Bulgaria. And when I first came to Armenia, I saw the situation. It was, a, you can imagine, it was a satellite of Soviet and left with no, I mean, it was very, very sad to see Armenia in that condition. Mm -hmm. So I said, I have to do something. So I started with fashion, you're right. I started with fashion. That gave me the opportunity to come and go to Armenia mm -hmm. And little by little, uh, I started to, as I was saying, shifting my dream from Tuscany to Armenia because I, I noticed that here we we had all the all the links uh, for a fantastic. I mean, the, everything was here, starting from history to terroir to native varieties. More I was studying, more I was discovering that Armenia had it all. Yeah. But back then, nobody was drinking wine. Then. <laughs> well, I, I, was going to, I was going to ask you that. What sort of shape was the wine industry in in 2000? Because I know there was a switch, wasn't there, under the Soviets yeah. to making brandy, yeah. that, that Arme Armenia made brandy and Georgia, another one of the ex-Soviet republics, made, made wine. So what sort of shape yeah. was the wine industry? Not great, I'd imagine. No, uh, actually, there was nothing. I mean, I coming from Italy, I, uh, I mean, I, 
grapes. I, I, even in the family, when I was a little kid, we used to, I mean, wine was part of every dinner or lunch. Mm. Arriving to Armenia, the big surprise was nobody was drinking wine. Mm. Here, it was all vodka. <laughs> and, or brandy. Uh, brandy. <laughs> or brandy, yeah. <laughs> so it was like... Uh, um, was like a very strong shock mm. because I couldn't understand what was happening. Then I, of, of course, studying the situation, I noticed that, as you said, uh, Soviets decided that Armenia, designated Armenia as a brandy-making country, mm. and uh, they, Armenians took the vodka drinking from the Soviets. Mm. So beginning of 2000, to give you the picture of the 2000, how it was, uh, diaspora and Armenians were starting to come to Armenia. Mm -hmm. But because Armenia was famous for brandy, the initial those days uh, investments were all directed towards brandy. Yeah. Nobody was thinking about the wine. Yeah. So I had this crazy idea to do. Uh, I mean, I had uh, because I had already this dream of having a winery and vineyard. I said, why not to do it in Armenia? Then I studied a little bit more. I noticed that we have lots of native varieties. Studied a little bit more. I noticed that we have our traditional aging method, which is in Amphora. So I started to imagine and work for it, not only imagining it, uh, to create wine, wine in Armenia quality wine that can represent the potential of Armenia. That was my dream and it still is my dream, still is my vision and focus. Well, I, I, and I think you've, you've certainly succeeded in doing that. I mean, just tell us, how, how did these old vineyards survive? Because, I mean, did some people, were they just in isolated places where people didn't bother to, to yeah. pull them out? Because there was this vine pull scheme, wasn't there, yeah. in the 1980s to get people to remove vineyards. How, how did those vineyards survive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1980s, as you said, uh, they had this Soviets decided that they were drinking too many, too much vodka, and uh, I don't see the link still today. But they decided to uproot the vineyards in Armenia. Mm -hmm. That's nothing to do with vodka, but that was their vision. They <laughs> so we had a lots of damages. We have lost. We we lost a lot of our native varieties. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the program didn't finish all the vineyards, but we had lots of damages. The old vineyard that I do my co-wine there, Zora Yeraz, survived because it's in a remote part in the, in the mountains mm. at 1,600 meters of elevation. Mm. I mean, you've been there, mm. you, you, you saw that no roads going there, so <laughs> it, nobody was interested in those uh, vineyards. Yeah. That's the reason. They were like hidden places. Nobody was interested to go that up, to uproot the vineyards. I mean, some of the projects that have gone, particularly with international consultants to Armenia have planted, you know, French grape varieties, particularly things like, like like Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. But your focus has always been on local grape varieties, hasn't it? And we'll talk about those in a minute. But did you know they had potential from the start? Uh, no, because I didn't have any example to follow. Mm. I mean, uh, when I um, started Zora's adventure, there was no certainty team. I, I didn't have any neighbors to look. And I didn't know that the wine I was going to make, it was going to 
be successful or no. Uh, it was my conviction that uh, before being a winemaker, I'm a proud Armenian. <laughs> so I said, if I have native varieties in Armenia, I have my traditional aging method. Why not try to do uh, to uh, take our treasures to the world instead of bringing other treasures to our home? So <laughs> I. That was but I thought you told me that you'd found some wines that were that were available on the market and you took them all to Italy to show them to Alberto Antonini, your, your consultant. And I think, he, you know, eight of six of the eight were oxidized, but two had potential. Is that was that? Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Alberto, I mean, the beginning is, yeah, uh, the Al Alberto, actually, Alberto came to Armenia. Alberto told me this uh, after a few years because when we started to know each other much better, he said that the tasting he had, uh, the first one with the six, eight Armenian uh, wines, uh, it was the worst <laughs> tasting in his life. <laughs> and I was saying, I could, uh, you could see all the defects in, uh, that the wine could have, but uh, he being a big master, of course, he noted some uh, potential there, mm. uh, but I repeat, that was just sensation, uh, hopes, mm. uh, wishes that, of course, with the help of uh, Alberto, mm. uh, we, we are trying still today mm. to present it to the world yeah. scene. To the wine lovers around the world. I mean, you also planted vineyards of your own, which are in, in 2000. They're near, I, yeah. I think it's called Rint, isn't it? How do I, I hope I've got the pronunciation right in Armenian. Just tell us a bit about the, about the terroir of those vineyards, but also of, of, of the vineyards where, where Yeraz comes from. I mean, they're nearby, basically, all your vineyards, are they? Yeah, yeah, they are nearby, yeah. Actually, before arriving to Rind, Rind is the village, uh, is in Vajotso region, which is the quintessential region of uh, wine-growing region in Armenia. I had traveled a bit in Armenia to all the winemaking, uh, I mean, historically known regions. But I stopped in uh, Vajotzor, especially Rind Village, because of the high altitude, 1,400 meters where my vineyards and winery is. Then because of the no phylloxera, there was the, still today we, we don't graft anything. Everything is, in, is on its own route. And because of the soil composition, which is fantastic because we got the limestone soil, with the first layer of sand and lots of stones, low vigor and uh, lots of native varieties. So you cannot ask more. And, and Arene Noir, <laughs> right? Which is the main local. Arene yeah. Noir, that's yeah. The main that's the main local red grape you use, isn't it? And it's incredibly yeah. historic. I mean, it's one of the first grape varieties, isn't it? I mean, can you tell us a bit more about it as a grape variety to work with and its history? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so RNE actually, RNE Noir, RNE is the grape variety. Mm. RNE Noir, I invented the RNE Noir, is the selection that I made in 10 years of work before arriving to my first wine. And I called it RNE Noir. Um, the RNE grape is in our area since ever team. I don't know if you know it. Uh, lately, in the oldest winery, which is my next door neighbor, uh, 6,000 year of history. Over there, they have found pips and stems 
and with the DNA analysis, it brings to RNA noir, RNA, the grape variety. So uh, this means that uh, when they say the real expression of terroir, you can't get closer than yeah. this because never been grafted. This grape variety is in my area since ever and is really the signature grape of uh, I believe in this signature grape of not only Vyotzor, Armenia. I mean, we, we went to that Areni Cave complex, which is the home yeah. of the oldest winery in the world. It's an amazing place, isn't it? I mean, it, did, did the grape variety take its name from the cave complex or, or what? Or, I mean, are the, how are the two linked other than that it was used 6,000 years ago? Yeah, no, the, the grape has always been there. Uh, the cave has been, I mean, the cave has used RNE name and there is also a village, RNE village, but the village is also been given the name because of the grape. Uh, so the grape is the, say the, is the beginning of the, of the okay. name. And RNE wine cave is given because of the, village and because of the vicinity to RNA village and uh, the village because of the RNA grape. How, how, much, how much of that has been excavated now? Because when we went there, probably 5%, 10% had been excavated. Have they yeah. excavated any more? No, no, it's all, I mean, they are trying to move very slow because uh, there is a lot to be discovered there. As you know, before the oldest winery over there, they have found also the oldest sh leather shoe in the mm -hmm. world, 5,000 year of history. And still it's only 10%, but uh, the latest good news is what I told you before is the pips and stems of RNA found in the cave. Uh, and that gives more prestige to to the RNA, more pedigree to the RNA grape. Yeah. It was very interesting when we went there with Boris, the, the archaeologist who, who discovered it, and he was saying yeah. he thought that it was also a, a site of not only a winery, it was a site of sacrifice, wasn't it? And, and that wine was maybe yeah. used in, in sacrificial rites. Do you remember that when we saw, you know, where they were sharpening the knives on the side of the wall before he thought they were sacrificing somebody? And he thought they were putting human bones, possibly, maybe body parts into the wine. Was yeah. that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have found body parts of the humans. Uh, yeah, it was more sacrificial kind of a place. But don't forget, this is 6,000 years ago. So it's like we are talking about another era. It's 4,000 BC. And uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it it is. Uh, is confirmed that it's a more uh, ceremonial kind of a cave, not a cave dedicated for the production of the wine, but more ceremonial kind of a of a of a cave. Yeah, because they found the vats are still there, aren't they? You can see where the vats yeah. are there, where people presumably trod grapes. I mean, there was no, there were no wine presses in those days. Yeah, yeah. No, no, there is also a rudimental press, if you remember. Mm. There is a rudimental press also next to the uh, jars, yeah. next to the amphoras. And Tim, I still, uh, uh, with your permission, I've never asked you, but I ask you now, but I keep using your uh, comment there, eh? that you were saying that this gives a new meaning to the full-bodied wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's fine. You can have it. I mean, I think he even he even <laughs> said he found similar DNA in two vats, as it were, and he thought that there'd been maybe two two sisters. 
who'd been who'd been yeah. sacrificed or uh, i mean it's it, i mean as you say it's four thousand years ago but um yeah 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 it was six thousand years, years ago, ago. four thousand bc exactly 4, of BC, course yeah. yeah it's even longer i mean i i remember going yeah. with you and we actually held a a drinking cup in our hand you know the, the, these things yeah. that are you know artifacts that are that are six thousand years old i mean it's one of the most moving things i've i've ever handled frankly exactly i i'm mm. i'm glad that you had a good uh, uh, memories about Armenia. Now is the time that you have to come I'm, back. I'm ready to come back. <laughs> Listen, I mean, from the start of your project or the adventure, as you call it, you like the idea of an adventure. We've mentioned that yeah. you worked with Alberto Antonini and you sent him the, the, those bottles to start with. How did you meet him? I mean, was it because you were Italian? Uh, Alberto, yeah, because true friends. I mean, uh, I had other friends that true friends, I arrived to him. And uh, Alberto, Alberto, now I know him uh, since so long, uh, and he's a great guy. He's a very humble, very is uh, is is opposite to the superstar consultant, mm. <laughs> and uh, one thing that I always give credit to Alberto that uh, he was uh, willing to learn and experiment because also for him everything was new the native writings were new he didn't come to armenia to dictate anything mm. he just uh on i mean he understood right away that it was a treasure to be discovered and i give him a great credit because since the beginning he has put me on the right platform mm. and still today i'm with alberto uh, even if he's getting old, eh? And we all are. <laughs> what, what was his, what was his advice? What did, he, what did he advise you to do? Use native grapes? What else? Not use lots of wood, right? Uh, exactly. Uh, I mean, uh, from the beginning, I mean, we started with uh, stainless steel, uh, wood, and amphora. Uh, but right away, after not even one season, we knew already that uh, the wood was out. Uh, amphora was our future and stainless steel now we use it as a parking space mm. because we got now all concrete tanks cylindrical concrete tanks uh, with no epoxy paint is rough tough concrete tanks so uh, the but the core the philosophy of the winery is and will be and has been the amphoras, mm. Armenian amphoras, the aging, the aging method that we have in Armenia. And they're called they're called karazi, aren't they? Yeah, yeah karazi. I mean, it's yeah. interesting because they're very historic. I mean, you know, the, the golden age of Armenian wine was 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 millennia ago, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, and your technique is very interesting: is is to part bury them. So in Georgia, they tend to bury the whole thing in the ground, yeah, or they have it all yeah. above ground. Your technique is yeah. like two is like you know one quarter, three quarters. Just tell yeah. us what's the advantage of doing it that way as opposed to the Jordan way. Yeah. Uh, so I have started, Tim, uh, from the beginning, it has been all experimentation with my winery. So even with the amphoras, uh, I didn't have anybody to look at, no neighbor to ask uh, what to do, how to do. Mm. So I've had all the totally in, totally out, and then I noticed, uh, as you were saying, the golden age of Armenia uh, for the winemaking dates back to 3,000 years ago. We got another site in the vicinity of the capital city in Yerevan where 500 amphoras, big amphoras, 
have been discovered. And over there, I noticed in the, in the photos that the uh, amphoras were buried uh, three quarter mm. in, one quarter mm. out. So I started to experiment like this, and uh, I found out that my forefathers had got the best, uh, already 3,000 years ago, had the best of all the world, uh, all, all the ways of aging the, uh, all the, yeah, the best way to age the wine inside the amphora. Because when you have three quarter in, you got the temperature stability, that's what you want. And you want a slow microoxygenation. Mm. That's perfect. But then, if it's totally in, you lose control because once you close the amphoras and it's totally in, then you are in God's mm. hand. Uh, with one quarter out, you have the inspection. You've got the stability of the liquid, mm. uh, stability of the temperature of the liquid. Then, the most important thing that I've discovered that then you have in the same vessel two different temperatures. The one quarter out has different temperature and three quarter in is different temperatures. So you create an automatic rotation uh, in the same vessel. Yeah. And uh, that's the maximum. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there is no literature for mm. what I'm telling mm. you. And uh, now I'm trying very hard to say to my other winemakers in Armenia, other colleagues, that this has to become the trademark of mm. Armenian way of aging because that's unique to Armenia. I haven't seen anywhere else that they have this technique. But uh, with my experience, I will never change it for any other technique. <laughs> You're not going to go back. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it took you 10 years to release your first wine after you'd planted. And obviously, a, a vineyard takes three to four years before it will give you grapes you can use anyway. But w was there a lot of trial and error to start with? I mean, it was, but these were some of the things you were experimenting with, presumably, were they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, errors every day, 100 times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the difficult part in uh, where I am is... Uh, when you say there is no phylloxera, it's very romantic, very nice, but uh, that means there is no nurseries that you can just pick up the phone and order your clones. Mm. So we do it, I do it in ancestral way, starting from the seeing the grape, liking the grape on the vine, going back, taking the cutting, creating holes upside down, keeping there, and it's a long process. It's like... Uh, uh, maybe a phone call in Armenia, in Armenia, in Vyodzor, in Zora takes like a phone call to nursery in Zora's winery takes like two years to arrive to the phone calls of the nursery. Or to <laughs> get their phone number or what? <laughs> or to get the to <laughs> no, no, the phone? I mean, no, no, for, no, no, for, no, no, I mean, maybe I didn't explain mm. myself better. Uh, good. Uh, other parts of the world, uh, when you want to plant a vineyard, you just phone to the yeah. nursery. It's a phone call. And you just say the clones mm. you want, and you just send samples of your soil, and they send you the, the clones that you want. Where I am to do that phone call takes me two years because I have to start at the ancestral way. There mm. is nobody to phone. Mm. So I have to do the cutting, mm. start from the scratch, mm. And then to arrive to my nursery, that takes one year. Then from my nursery, another year, go to the vineyard. So, 
I meant it's the, the <laughs> it's a long process. Really is what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Toby, yeah. just tell me about the wines you make because you've got two different labels. You've got Zora, and you've now got Zora yeah. Heritage wines as well. How do they yeah. differ? How many wines do you make in total now? Yeah. Uh, so I have uh, Zora Karasi, Zora Voski, Zora Yeraz. And then I've started, uh, this is from, this, this tree that I say, this is from Vyodzor region, my region in Armenia, and from my vineyards. And uh, now I've started this heritage project, Zora Heritage Project. Basically, uh, I've now I have two wines out with the Heritage Project. Uh, and the idea of Heritage Project is to uh, create a club of Armenian native varieties, mm. um, never mind if they are from my vineyard or from my region. The only thing interesting has to be, it, it's... Um, the only condition to enter in this club is to be native Armenian mm. and have a good potential, in Zora's opinion, to present it to the wine lovers of mm. the world. I started this project. I was not going to do this, but I'm noticing that the uh, winemakers in Armenia are not moving with my path. Mm. And uh, this was a good moment because my son is coming inside, uh, is trying to help me out in the winery. Uh, so I said, if I start with him, it will give him more boost. Mm. He will have more poesia for mm. him, more poetry. Mm. So we have started this project, heritage project. It will be more wines coming out in next years, but they are all limited quantities. And, uh, uh now, as I was saying, I've got Zora heritage mm. Chilar. With Chilar is the grape variety also. It was in verge of extinction. Uh, we did the first harvest among the rows. There are no vineyards dedicated to Chilar. Now we have propagated it in our, in our vineyard. Mm -hmm. This uh, wine makes skin contact inside the amphora for two to three months, then one year aging inside the amphora, carries on the aging. So that's a white skin. variety, yeah? Yeah, white yeah. variety. Then I have the second wine of Zora Heritage Project, which is 80% uh, red, 20% white. Uh, the, the red variety is Sireni, mm. which is from Artsakh region. Uh, and then I have 20% Ararati, which is from my region. So it's the blend of red and white. Uh, Ararati, basically, the white variety, nobody has ever made a wine out Ararati, of Ararati, which is named after Mount Ararat, presumably, is it? Mount Ararat, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeraz, which is your top wine, you've mentioned it from these very old vineyards that you found at 1600 meters, is a natural field blend. And I was privileged to go with you to launch the first vintage of that at the top of Mount Ararat. We made it. Yeah, it was incredible. It. But you know, what, what was the significance for you as an Armenian of launching your top wine on top of a mountain in Turkey? Is Mount Ararat for us, for Armenians, mm. for any Armenian, is the spiritual mountain. Mm. is uh it's um it's then it's also the place that noah's ark descended the first vineyard out in the world mm. uh for me was the was the maximum i could do for any armenian uh, any armenian has this dream to climb at least once mount mm. ararat 
And I said, what is a bigger dream than to take my cool wine on top <laughs> of Montparnasse and launch it? And, and Yeraz, by the way, Yeraz means dream. So it was twice the dream becoming yeah. true. <laughs> I mean, do you remember that we planted some Areni Noir grapes on the side of the mountain? I think at the time we reckoned they were the highest vines in the world. Did you go <laughs> yeah. back to see if they'd survive? Every day, Tim. Every day I go there watering them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, but I'm sure they are uh, they are uh, living in my spirit, so they are they are fine. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they live on in our minds, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how many wine projects there are in Armenia today, and how how they differ from yours. I just wonder whether your success has influenced other people to either to plant or to or to do the sort of things you're doing by you know preserving these old these ancient varieties uh to be honest i don't know exactly how many are there i know there are uh, now it's becoming stronger and stronger unfortunately we have also a lot of white labels which doesn't help the industry but uh, we have also other other projects important projects the oh, a white label just means it's, it's just bulk wine is it yeah, it's like no winery, no vineyard, yeah. just labels and bottles. Uh, but it's not all about that. I think that's a normal process. It happens everywhere. But then there are also uh, interesting projects coming up. Uh, I what Zora has um, uh, Zora has been forefront, and I'm very happy that I've contributed. Uh, uh, for the native varieties, because when I started, uh, nobody was believing that from Armenian native varieties, you could make wines that they could have international credentials, mm -hmm. and never mind aging them in, inside the amphora. They were laughing at me when I was saying I had this intention to create wines with international credentials, <laughs> aging them in the garasses. They were saying, no way. What I'm seeing now, there are all um, the wineries, I can say. They are shifting from international uh. to native. <laughs> One thing I would like to see, which I don't see yet, is the attention and appreciation that we should have for the amphoras. Mm. But I'm sure that will come too, because in Armenia, we don't treat amphoras, our traditional aging method, the way they are. That we are we are supposed to do it. Yeah. Uh, there is this sense of uh, they are not fancy, or I don't know. Maybe the wave hasn't arrived mm. here in Armenia. But it yet, will. But <laughs> it <laughs> t tell me something. You, you know, I've read somewhere you told somebody. I think it might have been um, Aldiero, my good friend Elder. You said as time yeah. passes, Armenia becomes more important to me. I mean, you, you you know, you had this sort of incredible moment when you went there for the first time in 1998 but how has it become yeah. more important to you and i just wondered you know how has the conflict with azerbaijan affected you personally emotionally yeah. really mm -hmm. uh first of all the yaris fantastic guy mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah i told him uh yeah it is becoming more important team because i continue to pass more time in Armenia and I'm more time passes I get more involved in Armenia mm. 
And uh, yeah, it's Armenia, as I was saying. Uh, now I'm spending more time in Armenia and elsewhere. Uh, so Armenia is, yeah, every day I, uh, I, even if it's becoming impossible, but I love Armenia more. Mm. And what about the conflict? <laughs> I mean, that must have hurt you. Uh, the conflict, uh, conflict with Azerbaijan is um, is a pity because uh, of Armenians wants Armenians want peace mm. because uh, Armenians are great creators. Mm. But unfortunately, we are a Christian country in middle of Turks. From both sides are Turks, and uh, they have shown that they don't want us here. Uh, what I can say uh, that we've been here when Babylonians were here, Assyrians were here, they are not around anymore. And these guys are new in town, so we will be here. I don't know about them. <laughs> I think you're right. You're kind of the, the, Afri the, the Africaners <laughs> of, the, yeah, of, yeah. of the Caucasus, really. <laughs> Yeah, but what I can say, the conflict has uh, given me more conviction that we have to work on our education, on our economy, mm. and become stronger and stronger. Mm. Focus on creating excellence in Armenia because we are very small. Mm. We are a very small country. But we have shown with, in our history that we are able to survive. Mm. So I'm confident that we will be here. <laughs> That's good to hear, isn't it? You mentioned your son, Oshina, who again climbed Arat with, with him too. Uh, he's now joined the business, yeah, uh, which is fantastic news. Um, how are you going to expand? Is it going to be more of, more of the heritage project? Uh, yeah, I'm very happy, even if I haven't pushed a, uh, at all Oshin to enter in, the, in Zora. Mm -hmm. It has been his spontaneous... Uh, with. He's doing his master now in Università Cattolica in Milano, and uh, he will do in Alto Adige Harvest. Uh, with him, I have this heritage project. My next project will be, uh, if I can manage, uh, to revitalize the craftsmanship of amphora making in Armenia. This is my... Uh, it's a big project. I I have to do it at the governmental mm. level. I hope the, our Armenia will be sensible enough to to promote this uh, school and production. Uh, but this is my next project. Then after that, I leave it to Oshin. <laughs> I will be. <laughs> I will be the second yeah. man. He will be the well, first. Well, I have every confidence in him. One last question: are, are you still involved in fashion in, in Italy, or are you more and more focused on wine? Uh, no, I, fashion is always there. Fashion is in my uh, blood, so I have to. But uh, time-wise, uh, really, I'm neglecting fashion. It's all about wine. <laughs> it's all about wine. Fashion pays the bills sometimes, though, probably, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, some, most of <laughs> Wine is harder to get wine to pay the bills. Uh, listen, Zori, it's, it's been fascinating talking to you. Um, I love your project. I think it's an absolutely amazing project. Uh, and, and the best of luck with these new heritage wines. I can't wait to try them, hopefully, in Armenia with you very soon. I hope to see you very soon in Armenia, Tim. You are fantastic as always. Good luck, Tim. See you, my friend. <laughs> ciao, 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 ciao. Well, that brings back some great memories. Climbing Mount Ararat is one of the most challenging things I've ever done. And boy, did that wine taste good. Next week on Cork Talk, my guest is Evan Sardi, 
from Saudi Family Wines in South Africa. Join us there. Thanks for listening to Cork Talk. If you want to read more reports, articles and tasting notes by me, go to my website, timatkin.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Tim Atkin, and on Instagram, at Tim Atkin MW. See you next week.